a Town Square Media Station. Hey guys, this is Louisiana head football coach Billy Napier, and you're listening to Acadiana's best sports leader, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the Yes. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour of the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, and joining me as he does on Tuesdays, my friend, the voice of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, a uh, expert when it comes to terrible music. It'd be Mr. Jay Walker. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, sir. You've got on a Hard Rock Cafe shirt. I do. New York. Yep. I asked you this. I didn't know. So Hard Rock Cafes are still a thing. Yeah. I just, in the 90s, man, they were like, when I'd go to summer camp in the early 90s, kids would wear these shirts from like different cities. And it was right. like, how many have you been to? It was like a big deal. Planet Hollywood came and went, but like, the one in New Orleans or Orlando. If I could go to a planet in Hollywood, I'd try to go. I thought it was so cool, and I didn't know that Hard Rock Cafes were still around. Yeah, they still are. I've had the shirt for a few years, but I did get it at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York. It's almost like you got to – see, now there's – so I haven't seen one in so long, and it's like a black one that you're wearing. It's like I think when something gets old enough and then it's back in style, maybe Hard Rock Cafe's back in style. Maybe so. And, maybe but you know what? bring it back. But you know what? Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. I'm wearing it. It's it's a still a good-looking shirt, and I'm wearing it. I like it. I like it. I watched a – I watched a, I don't get to watch a ton of movies. I watched one recently, though, with my wife called Palm Springs. It was funny. It was on Hulu. Mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons was in it. All right. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's the guy that would play Jay Walker if he was, you know – if somebody decided to make a movie about one Jay Walker. Instead, they decided to make commercials about farmer's insurance. We are farmers. Dun, 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 dun. But, uh, but he's, you know, he's an Oscar-winning actor. He's great. He's great. They're making a movie about Sean Payton. Really? You didn't, you, you didn't see this? You, this is going to be news to you? Yeah. <sighs> Boy. All right. This is good. I get your real... I get your real... Reaction in the moment. This was all over the internet yesterday. Um, I won't give you the details yet in terms of who's producing it and whatnot, but the the subject matter will be will revolve around when Peyton was suspended for a year for all the Bounty Gate BS and went and coached. He was an offensive coach on his son's sixth grade team in Dallas. Okay. Um, that's, and, and apparently Peyton got the script and actually looked over it, made a few alterations, but I'm guessing gave it, gave it his blessing. Uh-huh. Who would you guess was cast to play Sean Peyton? Um, gosh, if he would, if he was younger, the first thing that would have come to mind was Bruce Willis. Uh, but he's, I think he's too old to play Sean Peyton. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Sean Peyton was, I don't know how old he was, maybe 48 or something. And in, in when this happened, Mm-hmm. Um, no, that would be Kevin James. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I met, I met Kevin James. He was he was he was hanging out with Sandler, right? He was hanging out with Adam Sandler. Met him in Honolulu. So Kevin James 
is going to play him. It's going to be produced. It's going to be a Netflix film, and it's a Happy Madison production. So it's Adam Sandler's production company, and um, you you knew like if you knew that information, you probably could have guessed it would be oh it'll be David Spade or Kevin James or no one that looks like Sean Payton by the way. Uh, but like you already know what it's going to be. Like you know the formula. It's a Happy Madison production. Like they'll have a scene where Kevin James gets on the field and he draws up like an insane diagram of a play that looks like plastic surgery. And then they'll cut to all these kids that are like, huh? They'll probably have the head coach of the sixth grade team fictional, you know, but they'll probably have him be a jerk. Like, well, coach, just in the NFL, this is the Texas league and you're out of your element. They'll probably have some fans that like watch saints games that were crazy and silly that will show up in lawn shares. And it'll be like Norm McDonald and Rob Schneider. Like, you know, you know what the it's going to be about, man. I, I found myself now. I'm getting to spend this time with my kids. This is great. You know, you already you already know the movie, and it's not even in, in pre production yet. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Kevin James, Kevin Sean James, Payton. baby. I think Frankie Muniz, if he was a little older, could have pulled it off in terms of the look. But uh, he's still younger than Peyton was nine years ago. You're still uh, Jim Parsons for me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Jim Parsons and J.K. Simmons star in the sports gap. <laughs> Eight minutes after the hour. We got a little terrible tune Tuesday coming up. Um, number of other things. You're a guy, Jay, that when it comes to the Baseball Hall of Fame, you have some strong opinions. Sure. What are your opinions on the Pro Football Hall of Fame? They're not as violent. Um, they're not, I like that. They're not as violent. My, my opinions aren't as forceful. There are there are dumb sports debates that come around often, especially in today's day and age where you have talking heads and twenty four seven sports. But there's one that has actually lingered for a few years that I've always felt like was just a waste of time and the dumbest thing in my mind. It's just absurd. And it and it and it it pepped me again when Julian Edelman retired and suggesting he should he's a Hall of Famer, which I I I don't even know. It's one of those things where it's like, why are you even? Why are you even debating this? Yeah, like, no, he's not even close. He's in the Hall of Good. He wasn't. He was never even a Pro Bowler. He was in he the was, Hall of Great Postseasons. He was. He was in the Hall of I'm playing with a great quarterback. Yeah, I had some good postseasons. But it's like all this love for him. I'm like, this is a guy that's been arrested for vandalism or groping women in clubs. He was a dirty player. His stats aren't even half as good as some guys that currently aren't in the Hall of Fame, like a Tory Holt or a Gary Clark or a Heinz Ward or any, you know, we could go on and on. And the fact that there's even a debate, well, but he was great in the postseason. You forgot he got, he forgot he got his ass kicked at Cajun Field. Oh, I remember the little water bug quarterback for Kent State. Get out of here with that junk. I don't even liked him. But then to see this absurd, it's like no one's like Robert Ory should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, do you know why there are people talking about him for the Hall of Fame? Why? Seriously. Julian Edelman put up some really good fantasy numbers. I didn't even know that. And and so there are people who are probably fantasy football players that have been skewed by the fact that, oh, Julian Edelman, Edelman won me a lot of games. That's just dumb. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's. There's, I can turn on the TV sometimes, and it'll say, like, oh, they're debating this, and I turn it off. I'm like, okay, that's it's a waste of time. But, I mean, I, I had to log off of social media yesterday. I'm like, I'm not even going to engage in this nonsense. 
ESPN1420.com. Let's head to the phone lines, 269-1077. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Look, I will say I will say this about Julian Edelman, man. Um, one of the, the better performances I've seen at Cajun Field just by as a, a running quarterback, him and, him and Mike Desermo, I mean, they just traded blows night all night long and it was like a magician two two magicians out there just with their feet and i know mike definitely got the better of him on that day but i walked away saying who is this guy and then you know two three years later find out oh wait julian edelman that was the quarterback for kent state that just absolutely went off at cajun field it was it was a fun a fun game to to be at i'll I'll give him that much but the hall of fame that's comical Comical. That's putting it nicely. It's just idiotic. It's stupid. Appreciate the call. Anyway, yeah. All right, brother. Thanks. Let's just find above-average receivers that couldn't even make a Pro Bowl in in a time where everyone makes fun of how anyone can make a Pro Bowl. And let's suggest they should go to the freaking Hall of Fame. All right, Julian Edelman in that game had 19 carries for 136 yards and two touchdowns. Against the Cajuns. Against the Cajuns. He was 10 of 20 for 81 yards with a touchdown and a pick as a passer. Now, Michael Desermo that night, 23 carries, 194 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. 15 of 22, 253 yards, and one touchdown through the air. The touchdown was by Ladarius Green. One put on a show. The other was an understudy that night. 44 to 27. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com two six nine ten seventy seven. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the uh, Great Scott Show. Hello. Hey Scott and Jay, this is a terrible Tuesday. Terrible Tuesday today. Oh, it's coming up. You know it. Oh man, it's been. I've been kind of listening, but it's kind of weird now since in the morning and everything. You know what I'm saying? It's just a little bit different, a little bit different flavor, but it's still kind of kicking. So with that being said, I'm just sitting here listening to fourteen twenty holler, baby, baby. One day that one might make it on TTT. It might. Ronnie's been trying to get that one in for a while. Um, Jay emails. He says Danny DeVito is going to portray Roger Goodell in the. Uh, uh, it'll probably be something like that. <laughs> that would be fun. If Sailor can convince. Christopher McDonald to do it, who played, of course, Shooter McGavin, or just be totally over-the-top Goodell. At this point, just go all out with every Sandler extreme you can with this silly Netflix. Terry Crews will be in it because he's in all those movies. Oh, jeez. What, what is, in your mind, a movie from history where Someone maybe it was a biopic, but someone portraying a real life person where you were like, "That is the dumbest casting choice I've ever seen." Oh gosh, um, I don't know. I don't have. I don't have anything coming to mind. Yeah, I don't know. It's you just, can't. You can't ask me thought provoking questions early in the morning, Scott. What's What's your favorite Danny DeVito movie? Uh, see, I see, that's thought provoking. I remember Danny DeVito in Taxi. That's, I remember that's, him in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, yes. Him and Christopher Lloyd. It's got, it was a lot. That that's that's an all time great movie. By it is. The way. It is. Um, and some of the performances in it are just. You see some of these actors, some that are still working today. I mean, and you're like, this is they they sw- 
that movie swept the four major categories that year. It was Best Picture, Louise Fletcher and Jack Nicholson, Best uh, Actor and Actress, and then Best Director. That wasn't duplicated again until The Silence of the Lambs did it. It's great, man. Nicholson had quite a run there. Chinatown one year, one flew over the cuckoo's nest the next year. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, it's a great movie. And, you know, they actually now have a series on Netflix that is loosely based really? on the nurse. It's called Ratchet. Oh, I think I saw the preview. Sarah Sarah Paulson. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't know that was loosely based on that. Yeah, Mildred Ratchet, and she's a she's a nurse uh, at a yeah. She's did, not a good person. Did you watch it? I did. I did. I watched the entire series. It was the good? entire uh, series. No, I liked it. Okay. I know it was pretty graphic and 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 stuff, but yeah. Most things are these days on those long form television series. 15 after the hour. It's ESPN 1420.com. Uh, email from Jacob. He says, what was the final score in that Kent State UL game? It was 44 to 27. Uh, Kent State scored a late touchdown. As a matter of fact, they had taken Edelman out of the game um, to, make it, to make it a 17-point game. Uh, Kent State also had... The first touchdown in the game. So they had the first score, the last score in between. It was mostly all cages. Was this 07 or 08? 08. So it was Edelman's last year there. Yeah, when it was uh, and it was Mike's last year. I remember the preview in that game, the week leading up to it with you on the air, and the word we used to describe Edelman a lot was a water bug. Water bug. That, absolutely. Water bug. I don't, you don't hear that one as much anymore. Though with the draft coming up, you're going to hear every – he's got great intangibles, Okay. He's a football player. Aren't they all? You know, like you're yeah. going to hear it all. Um, surprisingly athletic or uh, high football IQ. You're going to hear everyone in the book, you know. Film guru. Workout warrior. Gym rat. Just at some point, there is no, as, as great as Kuiper and the other guys are, at some point, you know, they're just, they've only got about nine or ten of those and. In their vocabulary, they just got to break them out. The, the key is just stretching them out so you don't use the same one in the same segment. And if you do that, I mean, you can you can spout off stuff about the draft all day. Sure. Hadn't heard Waterbug in a while, though. Waterbug quarterback. ESPN 1420.com. All right, we got plenty coming up, but I want to talk some Cajuns with you, Jay. Cajun softball won their 17th in a row yesterday, and I know that grueling road trip, you got to call four of the games in the middle of it in Texas. Um with the injuries this team has been through, there was a stretch there where many felt like they're not going to win the Sun Belt this year. And I think based on what they did Sunday and yesterday, they're winning the Sun Belt. Uh-huh. And I am more impressed by this recent stretch by them than maybe anything they've done since Glasgow has been there, considering the odds that were stacked up against them. Yeah, when you you know, when you consider the players that they're playing without right now. They're playing without Alyssa Dalton, preseason player of the year. They're playing without Raina O'Neal, one of the best outfielders they've ever had. They're playing without Taylor Roman. That's a big girl now. I mean, she was she's poised to have an outstanding career. And then Frankie Izzard, who her teammates will say is probably the the, the best the best teammate on the entire yeah. squad. 
Jerry described her yesterday as someone that was becoming the quote heart and soul of yeah, the team. In yeah, court. and 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 for them to go ahead and and go to Troy, who's got a um, a really good um, a, a really good team and a very good pitcher, and and just dismantle them the way they did. I, that was a very impressive three game series. I ran I ran into John Ellison last night, Summer's dad. Um, he of course wasn't there because he was working and um i said you know to to quote our good friend steve peliquin those donkeys just thought they were going to come and, and beat the cajuns instead we crushed their face it was uh summer right now and kendra lamb obviously when the pitching's going um they can beat anybody and um right now that's Yes, Jerry, what the biggest key is, he'll say he'll always say, Well, the biggest key is always pitching. And I think Summer and Kendra, the way they're 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 throwing it right now, man, I mean, this team must be exhausted. They have to be. They have to be. I mean, look, that they played a lot of games in a short period of time. And, you know, Summer had a, a blip on the radar screen against Houston on Wednesday. She came in in in, in relief and I think she gave up four runs. Um but other than that performance Man, I'll tell you what, ever ever since UTA, she has just been nails. And Lamb, she's gotten so much better because her control is better and her velocity's always been great. And now she's, you know, starting to develop a repertoire of pitches and she's really, really good. Speaking of uh, good pitchers, Connor Cook, Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Week. Not a surprise. Um, he found his changeup on Saturday, and uh, the amount, uh, like, whenever the other team knows what you're about to throw and it doesn't matter, that's when you're in the zone. He was in the zone Saturday. Tommy Raffo, I spoke to him um, after the game on Sunday, the Arkansas State coach, who I really, really like. Um, he said, you know, he said, there have been a lot of great performances against us by Cajun pitchers, he said, but Cook might have been the best. If you had said going into the weekend and showing the numbers, somebody's going to do something like this, you would have assumed it would be Arigetti, who is, by his standards, didn't have his best night, but was still great on Friday. Um, Friday and Saturday, I mean, Coach Deggs, without saying it, said, yeah, we've, we've, I think we've, we've found it. Uh, I love how he described, he told me yesterday, they, they give out the nasty necklace. And I said, "What can you describe what it looks like?" He's like, "I can't." But after every game in the clubhouse, they give one out to the best hitter, the best pitcher, and the guy that would just played, you know, the nastiest. And and he means that obviously in a in a positive way. And he said, just to give you an idea of uh, what the response was to the game, Cook got nastiest player, na- you know, best pitcher, nastiest pitcher, and then the person who he had give it to for for nastiest pitcher uh, hitter. They just took it off and said, you know what, Connor, why don't you just have all three? So he's like, when you get the nastiest necklace for the nastiest hitter in the game and you didn't even go to it bad, I think it tells you the kind of performance. So he was he was sporting all three, but um, it just tells you the teammates were all, you know, I don't want to use the word in all, but proud and and, and just fired up to, to see him do what he did on Saturday. Well, you know, I think that, you know, when he got to UL, there were a lot of folks who said, you know, he's got this kind of capability. And – we we saw it, and and the changeup is a pitch that he's been working on trying to master. And boy, he had it Saturday, and 
their left-handed hitters didn't know what to do. Uh, you know, Liam Hicks, the um, he's a he played catcher in first base, and he missed eight games earlier in the year because of a hamstring. And then, of course, the season got cut short last year. Saturday was the first game in his career he didn't reach base. That tells you a lot right there, Jay. Because and and Hicks is an all conference guy. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, the, the kid's a really good hitter. How much of Friday was just an anomaly? Was Spence? No, I'm sorry, not Friday. Jeez, how much of Sunday? The entire game because it was you hit seven home runs in a game and you lose by five. You hit what four in a row? It was just really. Everything about it was weird. Well, you know, 15 free base runners with walks and hit batsmen, two more with errors, eight unearned runs. Um, I think I, I think it, there are some days if you don't get off to a good start, nobody does a good job, and I think it was one of those days on, um, on Sunday. But you know what? Folks have got to quit looking at these teams, baseball and softball, like every game is Armageddon. Because you're going to have games like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to have games where you don't play well. And and games that um, that the other team doesn't beat you, you just lose. And, you know, Tony used to talk about the difference, and Mike Bollinger too, for that matter, the difference between getting beat and losing. You know, coaches can handle getting beat. They don't. They don't handle losing very well, and they lost that game. They lost it. The, the other team didn't go out and beat them. They lost it. But you're going to have some games like that, and so you know, it, yeah, their RPI dropped a few points. Look, this isn't the end of the world. They're in first place in the league. They won two out of three. They had won eight in a row, and now it's South Alabama week. Some longtime Cajun fans refer to it as South Alabama Hate Week. I'm good with that. Do you think it 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 means more to the anyone in the in the clubhouse, or is this strictly oh the the, the folks in the club, with exception of Bab? That's what I was okay. Say. The folks in the clubhouse don't really know about this because by the time 13 and 14 came around, it wasn't what it had been as far as just. Nasty. Nasty. Um, and, of course, you know, when the brawl happened, none of these kids were born. And, uh, heck, I'm not even sure Jake Wells had been born, okay? I mean, it's, you know, it, we're talking about it, it, it. We're almost 30 years ago that the brawl. And Chico had it up on the um, on the page. The fan page. Fan page yesterday. And, you know, the last time, no, no, I don't remember. Oh, it was at, at a conference tournament. I happened to have it, and I showed it to Joel Erdman, who's the athletic director at South Alabama. Dr. Erdman was a graduate assistant on that baseball team. <laughs> and his words were, yep, I got my ass kicked that day, but I took it like a man. ESPN 1420. South Alka um, in uh, hosting the Cajuns in Mobile, six thirty, first pitch Friday and Saturday, six o'clock pregame, and I think one o'clock on Sunday, twelve thirty yeah. pregame on News Talk ninety six five KPL. No midweek games this week, first time in a while, but um, gear up and get ready because uh, it's going to be fun. Oh, it'll be 
Yeah, it'll be that. You know, really, it's even changed now as far as, um, you know, people are concerned. You know, um, Brian Freeman is their sports information director. Now, football, he does football. But I've worked with Brian at four different schools in the Sunbelt Conference, starting with Jacksonville when they were in the league, and then New Orleans, Western Kentucky, and and now um, South Alabama. That's a throwback right there with Jacksonville. Boy, no kidding. And um, and Charlie, their baseball SID, is just such a good guy, and he's been there a long time. And you know what? The day that Robe passed, the first phone call I got was from him, and he was crying. And um, Charlie Nichols. So – there are relationships that have developed now, mm-hmm. but when they, when when they hit the field, it's still who was still the, who was the coach at South Al at that point? Steve Kittrell. He he was there. Um, I think at Robes. He I, was the first coach that I saw. Yeah. He he was not at the funeral. He was at the right. visitation at, at the at the convention center. And he, I, he walked. He he drove. He drove Mobile. in from Mobile. He walked up to me, and he said. Jay, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Steve Kittrell. You laughed. And, and uh, well, uh, no, I, I, I didn't. It, it like, I got, I got choked up when okay. I saw him. Yeah. And, and I said, Coach, I know who you are. And I didn't know who was going to come, but I knew you would be here. And, uh, and, and he talked about how over the years, the friendship that he developed with Tony. You know, he, the, when a hurricane was coming and we had to evacuate, Colleen and Tony stayed at his house and he put a bunch of players up in the clubhouse. And when Kitchell retired, the coaching staff at UL presented him with a rod and reel because he was an avid fisherman. And they even called the assistant coaches and said, okay, tell, tell us exactly what would make him happy. Mm-hmm. And they... Nobody else in the league did that. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's morphed over the years, but you still want to beat them when you get between the lines. 269-1077. Time for one more phone call before we get to TTT. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott. That's Jay. What's up? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How you guys doing? Great to hear you together again. I like to tune in at 8 o'clock on Tuesdays, Jay and Scott. Appreciate it. Real quick, Jay, on the uh, Alabama rivalry. Yesterday, I'm on my afternoon bike ride about one fifteen, one thirty, and I go by the complex, and they got baseball players showing up. And uh, one or two young men walk, were walking across the street, so I stopped, and I said, hey, guys, a big weekend. Now we go down to South Al, and they looked at me. I said, you know, if you don't, have you ever been told about the rivalry? And I don't think they had met together as a group maybe till yesterday, and said, no, sir. I said, well, ask Coach Babb especially. Just, you know, it, it goes back. And I said, you know, if you don't go over there ready to play, they're going to kick you in the head with a baseball bat. So they said, okay. So I go about 20 yards more, and there's one of the longer-haired guys. I think it was Nelson. I said, so I think he's, yeah, yes, sir, I'm, Nel- Coach, I'm Nelson. I said, hey, Coach, um, I said, go talk to Coach Babb, you know. Ask him about the rivalry and tell him the guy rides by, by here on his bike every other afternoon told you to ask him about it and he smiled at me and said the same thing i told him if you don't go there ready they're gonna hit you with a baseball bat so i think he spoke to me yesterday and last night i think Jay, you sort of alluded to the topic with coach Diggs, maybe mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh so thinking along the same lines as you guy i appreciate it but uh then i saw on youtube last night the fight the the fight the fight today 
they would have had 50 people in jail. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> I'm serious. I had never seen it, Jay. And when I saw it, I watched it three times. And I said, they'd all be in jail. They'd have had a patty white. It was a different time. It was a different time. Unbelievable, but it was baseball. Yes, indeed. Guys, enjoy listening to you, and y'all have a good day. Thanks, Jones. The um, Yeah, Popo charges John Lieber, who's pitching for South Alabama. And in the brawl, you see Lee Cantrell come out of nowhere and blindside somebody. And, you know, the, 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 another guy gets a guy down, and he's just giving him what for, and and it's – yeah, it was it was that was some serious stuff, and he's right. Today in college baseball, if that happens, it'd be a scandal. Oh, it would have been it a scandal. Been a you scandal. would have had multiple players suspended for multiple games. Um, no, it would not have been a good thing. Might have actually gotten Keith Gildas to release a statement, possibly. <laughs> Maybe when we come back, it's terrible. Tuesday on ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. He says Saints, Pelicans, Cajuns, and Tigers as much as Danny Glover says. It's on the Great Scott Show on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. It's Jay, it's Tuesday, and it is about that time. Terrible tune Tuesday. You've been warned. All right, Jay, I let off last week, so uh, why don't you do the honors? Um, this guy's a front man for the um, a group TKA, which was kind of a Latin-fused uh, hip-hop group. And, um, you know, had a, a couple of songs um, out on his own. And, you know, I heard this one the other day, and I, and I told you that, that one of the great Sirius XM channels is Wonderland. It's all one-hit wonders, and... It's really where I've gotten the last six or seven of my selections for Terrible Tune Tuesday, including this one. Um, this song's from the 90s. It was a top 20 hit. Um, and when I heard it the other day, I said, okay. And, and so, you know, I, I can't really do a whole lot because I'm driving. So I just pick up my phone and I take a picture of the what's on my screen on the radio. And that's how I remember these songs. Um don't have too much to say, except it's bad. Come, baby, come. This is K7 on Terrible Tune Tuesday. You gotta get- 
That's a classic, Jay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Classic. Absolutely a classic. That was on Jock Jams Volume 1. Was it really? ESPN released Jock Jams in 1995, and I think a volume two a year later. But, yeah, I was given that one year as a gift, and I, I feel like every – I mean – You haven't spoke to that person since, have you? The Jock Jams album, like, charted. It was, like, the 30th – number 30. Like, it sold so many. I knew so many kids that had it, and it's just funny to think that ESPN was trying to cater toward the youth, and it had songs like Come Baby Come or – Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter, who is a pretty vile human being as well. So, yes. Uh, interesting uh, there. But no, man, that, 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 one is, uh, that one's a classic you just played there. Good. Well, we got another song from the 90s. All right. I think I might have you beat here. Oh, you, you probably do. Because while people hear... Come, baby, come. They might start dancing and be like, oh, I remember this. Brings them back to a good place. This song, ugh, from 1999, here's a, little, here's a little story about this song. Our friend Scott Perrin, who works in the building, Michael.Scott on the dog, and uh, helps run things on Classic Rock. And Classic Rock used to be Planet Radio 96.5. Right. Uh, a, a station I listened to a lot in high school. And... I remember this song coming out in 99 and, and just like, what, what, is, what is this garbage? Like, why is this on the radio? I asked Scott about it, and he like, this. I recently asked Scott about it, and his head just like lowered into his shoulders. And he looked at me and he says, it's, it's the worst song I've ever been forced to play in my life. He said the record studio... Uh, sent him and Raj, I think it was under Republic or Universal, the single and said, oh, you need to start playing this. And they're like, no, we're not doing it. That, this thing has to at least get in the top five before we play it. Well, it did. 99 reached number five in the mainstream rock tracks. It It was a song that was certified platinum. And it is... Ugh. On Terrible Tune Tuesday from 1999, this is Voodoo by Godsmack. I'm not the one who's so far away when I feel the snake bite enter my veins. Never did I want to be here again, and I don't remember why I came.
And and I don't know if it's on Pop Rocks or '90s on Nine, but I but I do hear it from time to time. Awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Awful. Uh, our listener, one of our listeners, Jay, wants to know what your favorite DMX song of all time is. I actually know the answer to this question. Um, uh, Party up. That's right. I remember it happened on the radio. We were talking about walk up songs or ballpark songs, and you didn't know the name of the song, and you started to sing it. You're like, it goes like this. I'm going to make you lose my, or something. <laughs> you started make laughing. make me lose my mind oh, no, up in here. Not a terrible tune, but. No, not a terrible in tune. In honor of DMX. Jay Walker is dancing in the studio. If only I had a video. Y'all go. This one, this was one of his ones that me reached. When I um, when I decide to do my countdown of my top 100 songs of the first decade in the 2000s, that one will be high on the list. It's a good one, man. A lot of good memories with that one. 
ESPN fourteen. And I wonder if I wonder if he's surprised that I actually had an answer to that question. He probably remembers that show when you yeah. sang the song out loud and learned what it was, and we're very delighted because you're like, I gotta go home and download this immediately. <laughs> Great song. What did you do back in the day before the internet when you just hear a song you really liked and you're like, man, I want to know what the name of that song is, but I, how am what I going to figure this out? What you did was you called the radio station <laughs> and talked to the disc jockey and you said, um, that there's this song, I don't know the name of it and I don't know who <laughs> sings it, but it says, and then they give you like three words to the lyrics and expect you to know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you, and you're sitting there annoyed. And Jay Walker's like, I can't help you. Goodbye. No. Or, or if we, when you were when you were like in high school, like me, you would go to Circuit City and find someone <laughs> selling records and say, I don't know the name of it, but it goes something like this, and they have a beat, and they're trying to be nice, and they're like, you never think, like, man, how often do they do they hear this thing, man? I I don't know. Now. Let's see, where's where's my Shazam? Right, Shazam right. That's app? all you do. Yeah, I, there was one that came on in the store the other day, and I left my phone in the car, and I like went to my pocket to Shazam something. Like, dang it, I'm not going to remember this one. Shoot, we're spoiled, man. We're yes. spoiled. Yes. All right, you'll hear Jay Walker this weekend in Mobile, six o'clock pregame Friday night. He and Brad Topham have the call: Louisiana versus South Alabama on the baseball diamond. And uh, you'll hear him next Tuesday right here with me and uh, Wilford. Yeah, drank. But do not spill. <laughs> they kill the grass. Monty Fouputin! All right, don't go anywhere. Lynn Burton filling in. He'll be in next. Steve Pelican will be back on the air tomorrow with Beyond the Game. Lynn's next right here. It's ESPN1420.com. Jay, it was fun hanging out. I enjoyed it. Liquor and horse. When I was down.